Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. This is going to be a fun one, folks. Want to let you know if it's your first time here to Modern Day Debate, we are a nonpartisan platform that hosts debates on science, politics, and religion with the purpose of giving everyone their fair shot to make their case on an equal playing field. We are very excited for this one tonight and want to let you know, though, if it's your first time here, consider hitting that subscribe button as we have many more debates to come in case you want reminders and what we're going to do is for tonight's format it's going to be pretty flexible so it's going to be like eh, roughly 10 minutes from each side and then open conversation after those openers the open conversation will probably go from 50 to 60 minutes or so and then q a which would be about 30 minutes so if you have a question feel free to fire it into the old live chat if you tag me with that modern day debate it makes it easier for me to get every question in that list for the q a and then super chat is also an option which allows you to make a comment toward one of the speakers for the q a as well as a question if you'd like and they of course would get a chance to respond to the comment or question and Super Chats will push your question or comment to the top of the list for the Q&A. So without any further ado, want to get to the actual introductions of what these guys do. So we're excited to have these guys and want to let you know they're linked in the description, folks. So if you want to hear more of them, you can at those links down below. We'll start with JF, who's on the top left of your screen. And so JF, if you could give just an idea of what people might be able to find at your link below in the description, want to say thanks for being here. Well, you can join my Twitter at JFGaryP, and I'm at JFG Livestreams on YouTube. I do an everyday show at seven p at six thirty p.m. Eastern Time, and I am an author, a neuroscientist. I am also a YouTuber now. I'm interested in the beginnings of life. If you want to buy my book, buy the Revolutionary Phenotype. That's my most important work. But I also like to discuss politics, which we'll do tonight. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I'll put that link for that book in the description as well. Thanks for that, JF. And want to welcome Dario, first timer. We're thrilled to have you, Dario. Thanks for being with Thank us. Thank you so much. And if you want to just kind of share what people can find at your Twitch channel, which is linked in the description. Yeah, so uh, my Twitch channel is uh, twitch.tv slash Dario Rahim. Uh, same goes for Twitter and for YouTube. I generally do debate content. So content focused around talking to people, uh, both in my chat or like otherwise on the internet, as is this fabulous show that I'm on today. Um, I, I do call-ins from my viewers. So if you ever have like an interesting opinion, something that you like to share, you can always join my chat and sort of let me know and we can have a conversation about it and everybody can jump in if they have like some sort of like interesting perspective. It's very diverse in terms of uh, political opinions. Um, we have like conservatives, liberals, socialists, anarchists, libertarians, we have all the good stuff. Um, so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully some of you guys will, uh, will tune in and uh, I hope we'll have a fantastic conversation today. Uh, 
Absolutely. So, very excited, folks. Want to let you know, as mentioned, we're a nonpartisan channel. So, no matter what walk of life you come from, folks, we do hope you feel welcome. Whether you be far left, far right, Trump supporter, gay, straight, you name it, we're glad you're here. And so, with that, we're going to jump into the open, or I should say, the openings. And, JF, the floor is all yours. All right. So today the question is whether we should have more or less immigration. My position is that we should have less as a term of in terms of policy. I believe it is not beneficial for the people currently in the US or in other European nations to uh, increase the number of migrants. And in fact, we should reduce it. And given the cost of immigration that I'm about to go through in six uh, different subcategories, given these costs, the question is, could be how much should we reduce? Well, uh, how much should we reduce of something that hurts us or something that's negative for us? Well, we should reduce it down to zero. Uh, there, there is no amount of infliction on European economies that is worth it. Uh, as long as the effect, as long as the final effect of immigration is negative on all of the measures that I'm about to list, why would we want any of it? Uh, so let's get started. Uh, I have divided the impacts of immigration in six subcategories that I think matter a lot. There are certainly more. There are hidden costs of what we're doing with the demographics of our nation. However, uh, there are six identifiable, easily uh, recordable ones, and so they are worth discussing. First, immigration is a skewing force in the market that keeps an infinite flow of workforce available for companies. Uh, this flow of workforce is detrimental to the capacity of the lower, uh, the lower stages of, uh, of the workforce, that is the low-skilled workers. It, it diminishes their capacity to negotiate for higher salary and to eventually become themselves and their work a scarce resource. So everyone knows in economics that uh, the way a resource can become valuable is because people want it and it is scarce. The problem with human work is that as long as there are new additional adults showing up in your nation, human work never becomes quite rare. And this disempowers workers to be able to negotiate, both in the private sector and self-employed people, as well as people who regroup together in unions. The negotiating power of these people is lowered by the presence of a competing force, an infinite flow. And I say infinite because there's no sign that our governments ever want to stop immigration. So an infinite flow of competitive agents that can offer to the economy what we were supposed to offer, that is arms, brains, quality of work, skills, all of it being, uh, its value being diminished because some alternative work is available. This is demonstrated in a study by uh, George J. Borras and Lawrence F. Katz. Uh, there's an article in 2017 uh, in the book Mexican Immigration to the U.S. There, the title of their article is Mexican Immigration to the United States. They evaluate that an increase of 10% 
of the representation of immigrants in a given subpopulation in the U.S. will result in three to four percent decreases in salary for native workers. That's just a shot at evaluating the true impact. The true impact is hidden because of inflation, because a dollar from 1996 is not worth a dollar from 2020. And so because of this, much wealth is getting diluted in the U.S. So it's impossible to know exactly today by how much your salary is cut because of the federal uh, policies and state policies on immigration. But we know it's certainly cut by a lot. And their first attempt at quantifying it was from three to four percent. Second argument and second cost that we typically don't record as an economic cost, but it is a human cost. The clash of cultures caused by immigration leads gullible natives to be faced with losses of freedom that they did not expect could even exist. There are cases of women in our nations, and I'm thinking of a case in particular, Nathalie Morin in Quebec. Uh, they find themselves charmed by a migrant. Uh, in this case, Nathalie Morin, uh, she was a white Quebecois who married a Muslim from Saudi Arabia. And she found herself thinking, well, it makes sense that I go to Saudi Arabia to visit his family. It makes total sense. We'll go there with our children and we'll come back and everything will be good. It's not what happened. Uh, Nathalie Morin has been imprisoned in the house of her husband in Saudi Arabia for the last 10 years. What she did not realize is that the rights that she benefits from under a white society like Quebec, she doesn't have in Saudi Arabia. And every year there are, uh, it's hard to count how many females fall for this trap where they lose their rights because they find themselves in another country in which all rights are given to the father. So in this case, Nathalie Morin finds herself uh, physically imprisoned in the house of her husband. Her husband suddenly told her, no, we're not going back to Quebec. You are under Saudi Arabia law here and I'm taking ownership of your entire life, and here I decide what you do. And you, if you go back to Quebec, you'll never see your kids again. And he has the right to do it under Saudi Arabia law. So this is a cost of deception, a cost of fooling white native women into lifestyles that they did not consent to. And the, the, the economic cost is hard to put a number on here. We lost a beautiful woman. We lost a woman who could have participated to the uh, Quebec economy. And most importantly, uh, she lost her own rights. Third cost of immigration. Immigrants represent a net fiscal burden on countries because they pay less taxes than white natives and benefit, benefit from either equal or more welfare programs, depending on the immigrant category. So in the New Americans, Economic, Demographic, and Fiscal Effects of Immigration in 1997 by the National Research Council and the National Academy of Science, it is evaluated that in California, a household made up of natives represents a net gain of $1,178 for the state per year. Uh, a household of late Latin American migrants represents a net loss of $4,977. This means that for every 
Latin American household, you need to have five white native households to even just support their, their cost in terms of welfare, and you don't get the tax backs. Now, this, this is a, a number that demonstrates the unsustainability of immigration. As long as we have more households of immigrants consuming more benefits from the state, there will come a clash, there will come a point at which the state is either unable to tax to continue giving these benefits or unable to keep the quality of its benefits to the population. And this is a special study because uh, it is one in which a particularly model type of immigrants, the Asians, uh, often quoted as the, the, the type of migrants that do not cause much crime, do not cost much to the society. They have a great culture of hard work, but they still cost more to the state than white natives. White natives are contributing a net positive of 1,178. Uh, Asian households are costing 2,591. So on average, Asians are consumers of benefits more than they pay. So in terms of the economic cost of immigration, it makes absolutely no sense uh, to continue this system that keeps increasing the number of immigrant households in America. It is simply not ecologically viable and not economically viable. Interestingly, in the study, the only category of migrants that was net positive for the state were the Europeans and Canadian migrants at $1,308. Um, Hispanic immigrant household uh, use some sort of welfare program, whether it's for, from health care or for food, at 69.5% compared to native whites at 23.1%. Uh, in comparison, even if you take the immigrant white population, they are at 34.9%. So there are enormous costs to changing the demographics of your country through immigration. And these statistics came from Stephen Camarota, 2015, Welfare Use by Immigrant and Native Households, an Analysis of Medicaid, Cash, Food, and Housing Programs. The fourth cost of immigration is that more prisoners are sentenced from minority backgrounds than whites. Per 100,000 residents, 449 are white, 3,457 prisoners are black, and 1,220 are Hispanic. This is from the Bureau of Justice Statistics in 2000. Uh, and on top of it, having immigrants in your nation also means that there are criminal networks whose location are in South America. They now have a foot in the United States, thus contributing to human trafficking and drug smuggling. So you will probably hear from my opponent tonight that this is not true, that my immigrants have been shown to be less criminal than the native. That is only true if you heavily restrict the definition of an immigrant as being someone who's currently in a temporary status. Now, I don't deny that someone currently in a temporary status will, will create less crime, uh, but that's because, of course, they are scared of losing their status if they get caught. 
the fact is, when you consider the effect of immigration, you must not just consider the people as they have their green card, whether they commit a crime. It's whether they will commit a crime down the road or whether their descendants will commit a crime. When you evaluate the effect of immigration on society, you must include the changes to your demographics and the changes that these demographics have on criminality. And there, it makes no doubt uh, immigration in the long run is changing the demographics of our country and is increasing the amount of crimes. Fifth point. on Yes, what? Go ahead. I'd say maybe roughly several more minutes left and then we'll switch it over. Okay, perfect. Uh, fifth point. Immigrants are less educated. In 2008, about 90% of white adults had completed high school compared to less than 63% for Hispanic. This is from Ad Fox and Kewal Ramani from 2010. Uh, of course, I have my, uh, my, reserves, my reservations concerning the public school system of the US, but it remains the case that accomplishment in school is a, uh, it, it's a proxy for other measures of success. First, for cognitive uh, performance, uh, second for success later in life, and in fact, to some extent, uh, for it, it is a correlate of whether you would engage in criminal activities or not. So we must be aware that when we invite migrant populations in, we are severely changing the constitution of our nation and not for the best. Point six. Immigrants are favorable to leftist economics and politics, which are fundamentally incompatible with America. Uh, support for bigger government. The Hispanic are at 61%, the Blacks are at 68%, the Asians are at 58%. So very interesting here that the Asians are still very high for big government, although they're making a lot of money. Uh, that's another measure in which even Asian immigration, I oppose to it, uh, not specifically that type of immigration. In fact, I oppose to all types, but there it is, uh, Asian at 58%, whereas whites are the only ethnicity for which they support a smaller government. They only support the bigger government at 38%, the only ethnicity where the majority favors a smaller government. This is from the Religious Landscape Survey, Pew Research, 2014. And the state of free speech and tolerance in America, that's a text by Emily Ekins, 2017, at the Cato Institute. Uh, there is a problem in which uh, certain ethnicity in the U.S. are approaching the problem of free speech in a way that is simply anti-constitutional. Uh, they have stated a couple of sentences to people, and they ask, do you agree or do you not agree? Here's one example. Do you support someone's right to say racist things is as bad as holding racist views yourself? So would you say that supporting someone's right to say, ju just to say racist things, is just as bad as being racist? 68% um, of Blacks say they agree. 61% of Hispanic agree. 58% of Asian, uh, no, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong numbers here. 65% of Black agree. 61% of Latino agree. Only 34% of whites agree. Same thing for other questions such as, is uh, hate speech an act of violence? And uh, do you agree that people who don't respect others don't deserve the right of free speech? Essentially, 
whites are the only ethnic minority in this nation who support the First Amendment. So you have to ask yourself, if you're going to continue inviting more and more migrants in, are you okay with them overturning the Constitution? People are asking themselves this question seriously as they see more and more of a rise of far leftism in the streets of the US where the people are claiming that it is racist, for example, to undo an act of vandalism or that it is racist to own a house and that they should give up their property to these incoming migrant populations. Uh, what we have here is a problem of sustainability of the American Constitution under the demographic problem that we have caused ourselves. And the answer to it is, let us stop causing more of this problem. Let us reduce immigration, restore the state of the Republic, restore the primacy of the American Constitution, and deal with the only demographics that's willing to support it, white people of America. You got it. Thank you very much, JF. We'll kick it over to Dario. Thanks so much, Dario, for being here as well. And oh, I want to mention, folks, in the chat, we have been told that we have too few conservative moderators. So let us know. Moderators, here we allow them if they want to make their position or opinion made known. We are okay with that. We only ask the moderators to basically clean up hate speech. So pretty easygoing rules. And so if you are conservative leaning and you would like to be a moderator, let me know as we do want to have balance there as we do have a lot of left-leaning friends as moderators already. And so we'll kick it over to Dario. Thanks so much, Dario. The floor is all yours. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, James. Um, okay, so oof, that was a lot. From, I honestly didn't expect uh, uh, you to have so much, but I'm very glad that you brought up like the stuff that you did, and I think we're going to have a fruitful conversation. Um, in my opening statement, I'll mostly just be um, going through like my positive arguments for my stance, and then maybe towards the end, I'll maybe sort of just broadly address some of your claims. Um, so generally, my stance is is more immigration, but I think the logical extension to that is a kind of, as you alluded to, is actually open borders. And I think that tonight, uh, I will be somewhat also arguing for the stance of open borders, um, because I think it is it is intellectually honest to sort of argue the logical extensions of what our systems entail. Um, so the reason why I support open borders is because it seems to be the most economically efficient, the most libertarian, the most egalitarian, the most utilitarian way to sort of increase the world's wealth and production and make everybody better off, basically. Um, but open borders isn't just like the most economic uh, beneficial decision in your own self-interest you can make. Uh, it's also the most moral option. Um, so first, let's let's talk economics. So labor uh, is a resource. Uh, closed borders is a way to lower the amount of that resource and create what's called a deadweight loss. And a deadweight loss is generally uh, is is a cost to society that comes from market inefficiencies, uh, which occur when supply and demand are out of sync for whatever reason. And protectionist policies or closed borders in general sort of serve to mess with the market and put restrictions on it. And just like most deadweight losses, 
you can sort of measure the loss from restricting immigration pretty pretty accurately, uh, it seems. And there has been a number of studies, like so many studies that are pre-reviewed academic journals about this. And I sort of looked at a meta study of this uh, called uh, Leaving Trillion uh, dollar, dollar Bills on the Sidewalk. Um, and it basically says that the median estimate uh, deadweight loss from having closed border policies is 100% of the world's GDP. That means that right now, the world product and wealth should be at about $150 trillion. But because of closed borders, it's only at about 75. So it's an entire world of product that is destroyed because of closed border policies. Um, now, any cost-benefit analysis that we can do tells us that any bad stuff that happens from open borders, potential bad stuff, any consequences you can possibly think of had better be worth $75 trillion. Um, and then let's sort of talk about the moral aspect, which I think is also very important when we talk about immigration. And there's sort of thought experiment uh, put forward by the philosopher Michael Humer uh, about a guy called Starvin Marvin. And it goes like this. Starvin Marvin uh, is starving and he's about to go to the market and sell something that's going to make him not starve. He's about to go there, uh, but instead you intercept him uh, and you go there armed with your friends and your guns and you stop him in his tracks and make sure that he can sell his product. So he starves. In this case, his blood is on your hands. It's not necessarily your fault that he was starving in the first place or that he was poor, uh, but you're actively intervening to prevent him from making a life-saving trade. It's not like... Don't think of it like walking down the street and seeing a homeless person and not giving that person $5. It's more like you walk down the street and you see a homeless person washing someone's car and you go in and scare them away and, and stop the trade. You're actively intervening to cause harm, to stop a trade with a willing stranger. And that's sort of what closed borders are. It's, it's violence against people who would like to make voluntary trades with each other. So what are some of the main arguments that I hear from people who want to restrict immigration? And I guess uh, GF kind of alluded to this. Um, usually people will say immigrants cause crime, immigrants will lower wages, or immigrants will destroy our culture. Um, so there's been a lot of studies about this, and I've sipped through quite a few. Um, so the first points to immigrants cause crime uh, and it's, it sort of makes intuitive sense, I guess, to some people. Um, places with a lot of immigrants are usually places with high crime. Uh, but that does, but does that mean that the immigrants are committing the crime? Well, no. Uh, it turns out, uh, not really. A lot of immigrants are poor. Immigrants move to poor places. Poor places usually have higher crime, but they aren't committing the crimes. And how do we know this? Well, there's, again, there's a ton of studies about this. The uh, 2010 census data reveals that incarceration rates among young, less educated immigrant men are significantly lower than those of young native-born men. Young natives get incarcerated at about 3.5 times the rate of young immigrants. Then people will say immigrants will lower wages, and uh, GF sort of alluded to this as well. 
uh, again, there's a tons of studies about this. I mean, we can go through them and sort of go through the weeds, but what it seems to be, the more that this is studies uh, studied, and I understand, and JF sort of mentioned some of the older studies uh, that have previously been refuted, um, but any newer studies, uh, any like economists right now that are sort of advocating for immigration, like all of these will tell you pretty vehemently that the vast majority of American wages rise because of immigration. Like generally the only group of people that sort of see any decrease over like a, a very short term is high school dropouts, which are less than 10% of the population. Uh, and yeah, and they only see like 2% drop in, in, like, uh, in like actual wages. And that sort of equals out to like 1%. And again, a cost-benefit analysis tells us that the vast amount of wealth and product that is being generated from open immigration policies can easily account for this by any sort of redistribution. Like just, just very small, even very small redistributional policies can easily account for this. And then there's sort of the culture argument. Um, I guess it, it's kind of always kind of esoteric and weird to talk about like something as as a as sort of broad and, and unconcrete as culture. I guess in my opening statement, I'll just say that the Western world is already so diverse, so massive, and is already improved and enriched by immigrants everywhere, um, both economically, but, but through like culture, through food, through music. And the culture capitals of this world are the cities with the most immigrants, the highest economic growth, and are the most desirable places to live. Um, and how much time do I have, James? Oh, sure. I'll just I'll just go a little bit and sort of uh, jump through. Sure, sure. I'll just jump through some of JF's arguments, like just in, in an overview fashion. Um, so I think there's a, there's like a little bit of misinterpreting studies or like not telling the entire truth or using old data. Um, like, like in terms of like the cost of immigration, like every single economist that's worth anything is going to tell you that immigrants are a net benefit to the economy. And recent studies even showed that there are a fiscal, usually like negligible fiscal loss short term or like a wash, uh, like between that. I mean, there's a reason why it's, it's like 1,400 economists sent Trump a letter like just after he uh, he started pushing for like a, his his border wall, saying that he should change his stance on immigration to support like more immigration, one thousand four hundred economists came together, um, and uh, I guess we can sort of go into the loss of freedom a little bit. Although I don't want to dwell too much on that. Um, I as a libertarian, I generally think that we should try to create the most amount of freedom and the best lives for the people that we can and that sort of goes for all of the people of the world um like not just the people within sort of my i guess in in my city or whatever um and that i guess that's sort of a, a moral position um yeah, uh, in, ter in terms of, I guess, in terms of immigrants being more favorable to like leftist economic and politics. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good thing. Uh, I I mean, I don't obviously I don't mind that. Uh, I think there is a lot of complicated reasons why that is the case in the U.S. I mean, that's gen that's not necessarily the case in many places in the world. I know in Denmark that's not necessarily the case. Um, in in the U.S. it's complicated because the Republican Party, which is the only like real representation of like conservatism or the right that they have is just insanely racist <laughs> for like for like because they because they do stuff like the southern strategy and like they try and appeal to racists so while while a lot of immigrants like specifically like hispanic or like people from uh, I believe like people from cuba and stuff like they generally have pretty conservative views but if like one party literally just wants to deport you and that's like their policies or whatever and they they try and, and fuck you over every turn they can obviously you're going to vote for the other like party regardless of, of their policies pretty much um uh yeah you got it i believe that was it thank you very much and we'll jump into open conversation then all right well i'm quite uh, astonished by the pile of crap that we've been served here tonight uh a libertarian Likewise. who a libertarian who wants to introduce leftists to the U.S. to make it more leftist. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. This is exactly yeah. why libertarians have lost all credibility. Wait, you do uh, realize that libertarianism isn't necessarily like a right-wing ideology, right? It started literally as a left-wing ideology and it's been co-opted by the right-wing in the U.S. Like like libertarianism isn't, isn't this sort of like ANCAP like paradise and, and anarchism again that's another philosophy on the left that doesn't have like a big state or like revolves around like big redistributions from the state right i mean it's it's literally the abolishment of the state so i mean so let me yeah. ask you this dario how much liberty have you left if the state took 100 percent of your income in tax I mean, it, it would depend on like what your definition of liberty is, I guess. I'm not a big fan of like 100% tax. I don't know what you're arguing against. Well, would you would you argue that if the government takes 100% of my income in tax, I've lost 100% of my economic liberty? Um, I, I don't really know what this has to do with like the topic at hand. I, is there like a large swath of You'll like see, immigrants who are voting for... It, for I'm well, just curious to know. I'm picking your brain here. People, what well, if sure. the government takes all of my money in the form of tax? Do I have any economic liberties left? Well, no, not economic liberties. Probably not. I mean, in terms of like doing what you're, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tautology, right? It's like saying, if I have zero money, do I have any money? No. I mean, of course not. Is there any oh, right. like, is there any percentage of Americans who are for 100% in taxes? Ah, well, here you're doing the continuum fallacy because if you argue that 100% tax would be 100% deprivation of liberty, then you'll have to recognize that 20% tax is also 20% of a removal of liberty from me and given to the state. Do you agree? Well, no, not necessarily, right? It, it's, it's a question. It's not necessarily a question of only economic freedoms, right? So, so the argument is... My question is about economic freedom. If yeah. the state takes 20% of my money, did I lose 20% of my economic uh, output in the world? Did I lose 20% of my value economically? 
Well, sure, but it's not a zero-sum game, right? You can get more back than you paid into the state through like economic incentives, through improvements that you couldn't make with your own money, right? Pooling money in general, like through a state or through a corporation or anything, is insanely economically beneficial. So you can yeah. you can get more economic value for Suppose from pooling, like consent. I do not consent to what the state will do with that 20%. Then it could be said that I have lost my liberty to dispose of this 20%, right? You're saying that forced taking of money from people is okay and desirable. You're not even a libertarian. Well, in no, fact, wait. You're a ridiculous so, libertarian, but you're also not a libertarian. Okay. So, so Jeff, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. So let's say let's say you live in a society, right, where you get to keep 100% of your money, but you live on an island alone and you have no internet and no no connection with the outside world. How much can you do with your money? Well, can you, can I you could buy do... can you buy a smartphone like on an island by yourself? Can you can you buy a computer? Can you are you a joke? Are, are you currently making the argument for taxation as a libertarian based on whether we can get well, iPhones Can you answer not? the question? Can you answer the question? I, I don't know because I don't know about your island. Is there a producer of smartphones? No, you're living alone. Your you're living island? alone. You're living alone. I'm living on alone. Well, am I, yeah. if I'm living alone on an island, whether there's a government or not, I can't get an iPhone. Yeah, right? cool. So, so actually, the question that we're asking is, well, how much... Uh, practical uh, liberty or freedom do you have? How how much freedom do you have to spend your money? How much do things cost in the society that you live, right? If, if prices of everything is cheaper because you paid in the 20%, then you have essentially more economic freedom, right? So if every, everything costs 40% less, but you have to pay 20% in taxes to make so it costs 40% less, then effectively yeah, you're gaining freedom. economic freedom. It's not freedom because I don't consent. I don't want my money to be pooled. But that makes me an actual libertarian and you essentially someone who's a leftist well, who's dressing up his argument as libertarianism. Sure. Can you can you tell me where within like libertarian mainstream thought like uh, closing borders fits? I'm curious because like even like the most vehement right wing libertarians that I've talked to like ANCAPs, everything, they're all for like open immigration because of the moral arguments that I presented. Right. You're you're aggressing on people. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting point. It is true that uh, most libertarians are not even respecting their own concepts in the sense that they are committing to political beliefs that will eventually lead to the destruction of their liberty. So, so just to so be clear, you're saying argument, most libertarians are wrong. That's, that's oh what yeah, you're saying. Most libertarians are wrong okay. if they are taking position for open borders. Uh, I'm the last libertarian alive, I think. Okay. Well, uh, so everybody else is wrong. Okay. As far as my justification for borders, it, it is quite simple. Uh, it is the recognition that there are outside forces. That first, liberty does not stem from God or nature. I don't believe in God, and there's nothing in nature that 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 forces you to respect the liberty of others. The lions don't respect the liberty of the antlers. Uh, so. Liberty doesn't stem from nature. Liberty is a social contract between humans capable of honoring it. Uh, the realization that will allow you to 
uh, stand for borders while being a libertarian is the understanding that the people outside of the bubble of the social contract are unable to respect this social contract. There are simply humans on this earth who are unable to honor uh, the guarantee of reciprocity under the NAP or under whatever social contract you agree on. There are certain people who will make babies who will be criminal on a higher proportion to protect yourself well, from these okay. outside oh, forces. Sure. So I, I think I understand where you're going with this. I, I have a very like important question in terms of just the libertarian side, I guess. How, how, do, you, how do you enforce... Uh, a border like with with like a, a big swath like a border as great as like the united states without having a state there to do oh, well I, I do think that we should have a small state i'm a minarchist wait, so i believe wait. so you weren't a libertarian i'm a libertarian minarchist there is such okay. a thing as libertarian minarchist it means that i'm for a small state that represents a small expense in the overall economy and which uh, does collect some form of taxes i would hope wait that so you're for them... taxes oh yeah I, I would hope that most of them are collected voluntarily uh, but i do think that an organization can exist that says look we are defending this country from outside forces you don't want to deal with and therefore uh, allow us to be funded enough to have a wall and have the personnel to keep sure. these forces out now ideally i would want what? the people in this society to be free to be sovereign from it so if someone says i don't want your police service i don't want your border they could be able to create a small bubble or go live elsewhere Elsewhere. Uh, ultimately, I'm for voluntary interactions as much as possible, but I also understand that the collective defense, that is the respect of the law, the police, the military, and the border control, uh, are collective in nature, in that there's no way I can just border control myself what? and not so, so my neighbors. Wait. So what if what if people don't pay, want to pay taxes in your society? Like people just, just don't want to, like what happens? Well, I think that those societies where people don't uh, support some sort of uh, defense will eventually crumble and, and die. Well, uh, but well, sure. the question so, so. is not there because most people do agree to defend a border. The, most people in America are not against borders. Wait, so so generally, so this is so this is, and again, like I am, I'm not saying most Americans are for open borders. I don't think so. I think they should be, right? I think that's the most moral and economical position you can take. What I'm saying is, most Americans generally view immigration pretty favorably, and saying that you want to limit immigration isn't just going to be a detriment to like those Americans because there is drastic need in like the workforce like before before covid the uh, the uh, what was it? the unemployment was like a historical low it was like 3% which is insane like that that's insane for any like first world country so you need a workforce to sort of keep the economy growing and make sure that people can retire in a in a in a timely manner right that's 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 what you need and if 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 the popula if the native population i guess isn't having enough children so 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 there I guess if we sort of extrapolate that and build into our society of libertarianism, we can say, well, if you want to create a fully voluntary society, I believe it's quite hypocritical for you to say that 
uh, or bash me with on on the head to say that I support taxes. So I'm not a real libertarian because I support like left wing policies, even though that doesn't necessarily mean like taxes. I don't know what you think like left wing in general means. But 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 then you turn around and say that you yourself are for taxes, but you just call them voluntary taxes. So it's okay. I, I don't understand the connection there. Can you elaborate? Well, there, first, there's a fundamental difference between a voluntary taxation system and a forced one. Uh, secondly, let's leave aside the question of voluntary. It doesn't even matter. Uh, the problem of your left-wing taxes that you're pushing for is that they are ultimately tools of redistribution of wealth. The, the taxes that I'm talking about, whether we implement them voluntarily or not voluntarily, they are not distribu redistributions of wealth tools. They what's are a, tools wait, what's a... I'm curious. So to continue Can this I conversation. I just finish before you question. They are well, tools for the funding sure. of a collective service that can only be collective. That is the defense of rights, military, and borders. Well, sure. So first off, I take issue with your statement that it can only be collective. Like I think there are anarchist societies in history that have existed where you can, and you would, I hope, agree with this as a libertarian as well, right? That you can have like a local police force that is just like voluntarily like people who are policing their community and their streets. Like you don't need a state to facilitate like a police force or like a, a military even. Like you can just- But I didn't say the... you can't have a private police force. What I'm saying is if you to add a private police force, there would be inevitably people benefiting from it that are not paying for it. What? Now, that's the problem of the collective funding of police what? forces. Wait, what? Uh, okay, so I don't. It's I don't. A problem because the free riders don't get to pay, and yet they benefit sure. from the service. Sure. So, so again, like I don't know how you would structure. I guess your voluntary taxes, and like what would happen if people didn't like opt in. Like let's let's say you had like a city of people who didn't voluntarily like implement uh, or like didn't voluntarily accept like your tax system or whatever. Like that city would still benefit benefit from all these surrounding cities paying taxes to like keep their cities safe, right? So, so you have the exact same problem. You've just reframed it. Uh, the problem is I haven't committed to a voluntary tax. So you're 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 owning on a point that is not the point I'm sticking is to. Is it a mandatory uh, maybe, tax? Maybe maybe we would have to have a mandatory tax. What I will say as far as the people refusing okay. to pay tax, if that happened, uh, there would be ways to punish these localities. We're seeing it in Portland right now. They're paying a high price for not wanting to pay the salaries of the police. We could have something like this. Uh, we could have a, a claim of sovereignty being made against a city that, okay, the city has turned too leftist. They don't want to contribute. We're, we're not dealing with them anymore. We, one sec, just want to jump in. I think just to tie this back to immigration. Yeah, I yeah, I was about to, I was about to go there. Um, so, so the reason why I am a libertarian and also for uh, open borders or like immigration, like more immigration, I guess, in general, is because generally it fits pretty like well squarely inside like libertarian thought, right? Like the only way that you would, I guess, escape that is if you think that the people outside of your state or your society don't deserve the same rights as the people within your society which is literally just like the, I guess, the statist point of view, right? It's, it's like rights for me, but not for you. It's, it's saying that the people within like the state deserve special treatment and 
not everybody, right? It's it's not living principally. Well, uh, you're touching an important point. I don't believe that people outside of the state uh, must be given all the rights of the people inside. And that's the current state of the US, by the way. Uh, foreign entities do not have the same rights in court as uh, domestic entities. There are certain lawsuits they can't make. There are certain claims they can't make. And uh, thank God that this is the case because the problem with rights is that when you start giving them to too many people, you end up with with uh, certain free riders who are able to profit from your giving their rights to them, but they are not able to reciprocate back. Uh, the rights that we've given in white civilization are absolutely wonderful, and I, I would hope that we add more rights. I would hope. I'm that sorry. Did US you say? Did you say? Did you say white civilization or white, white civilization? White. The civilization okay. that is white, with white okay. people in it. Okay, that's what I'm talking okay. about. Okay. Now, white civilization has given admirable rights to its people. The problem is that if you give these rights to everyone, you are faced with forces that white society has never been confronted with. What do you do when giving the rights to protest to a certain group of people, Wait, are, for example? Are, so you're, you, uh, I, I've got to stop you because we've got to go point by point because I have like a lot of uh, issues with what you said. So, so just that like you can keep going we can just go down like all of your arguments uh so the first argument that you made uh sort of the i guess sort of slippery slope of giving uh people like rights that are like outside your country or whatever like when they live there and and the sort of the issue of like freeloaders and stuff like are there no white uh freeloaders in america like are oh, there no yeah. So why are you against them but, as well? Uh, did I say there are no white freeloaders in America? So why would you well, attack me on a point I haven't said? That well, doesn't no, make you sense. Well, in no, fact, you let me be more interesting than what you're proposing there. And let me continue the sentence you cut me to for this low tier attack well, that has nothing to do. And it's no, a you straman, okay? You said white, you said, you said white civilization uh, and then you complained about yes. immigrants being freeloaders. So when I'm talking about white civilization, does it mean that everyone in white civilization is not a free rider? No, it doesn't mean this. Well, it means a civilization that is white. Okay. Well, yeah, sure. And then I'm asking you, well, how do you deal with freeloaders in that society, which you seem to be very against? Like, wouldn't it make sense to just like have no freeloaders regardless of like their skin color? Oh, absolutely. So we do need mechanism to reject freeloading from all places in all ways. And that includes disciplining, for example, criminal behavior in white society. That includes denying certain rights, even sometimes. For example, the example that I was able about to provide. You provide a right to protest. You provide a right to protest to a couple of uh, Europeans. They come with their tiki torches or whatever. They they have their little ads and they have we their do have signs them, yeah. that they hold. And yeah, uh, and as masks, Europeans, I all. Just so you know, I include Europeans, uh, I include American whites as of European descent. Uh, so I am, I am one of the base Europeans. Oh, you're one of those? Yeah, I'm one of those, yeah. Well, given that you also self-define as a libertarian who likes leftism and communism, I, I think uh, there are issues with your self-understanding there. But let's oh. continue. When you provide a right to protest to a certain European population, you're going to get a certain percentage of them that will end up 
making violence, vandalism, criminality. You provide the same right to another population and the, the amount of criminality could be increased by sixfold or 12-fold for certain ethnicity, certain groups. So the problem is providing the same rights to everyone doesn't lead to the same response. Some rights, you can provide them to minorities and they will use it to hurt you. This is what the libertarians must understand. The balance of liberty is extremely fine. And when you give too much of it, you're going to end up with costs that are much bigger than if you were to give those rights only to a select few, those who have proven historically that they will not misuse them. Sure. So, so, so let me get this straight and, and let me know if I'm misinterpreting you. You're saying that some ethnicities, even white ethnicities, I guess in Europe, have a higher propensity to do things that you don't like. So therefore they should not be necessarily afforded the same rights as like other ethnicities. Is that correct? Well, uh, in a way, yes. Uh, but okay. I, I don't have a concept of affording certain rights. They should not, because I'm a moral nihilist, so I don't think there should be anything. No, yeah, what sure. I'm saying is, as a political agent myself, it is not in my interest to associate with these groups that do sure. not respect reciprocity in terms of the social contract we want to establish. Sure. So do you believe in, uh, in the concept of uh, thought policing? Thought policing, uh, do I believe in it? Well, there, yeah. there, are, there are certainly people who uh, thought police others. Sure. Well, do you believe it's a good thing to like police people for what they think? Uh, you mentioned earlier as well that you had, an, I don't know if you had issue with it, but you alluded to like some people, uh, for example, uh, not respecting people's right to speak, right? So, so they would want to punish people for just speaking rather than doing actions correct um so so Absolutely. in the same they would want to yeah. use force for yeah, 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 people yeah. just using their speech yeah 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 so so i want to i want to sort of um i guess bring an analogy to this concept over to sort of what you're talking about now right because because whenever you talk about sort of ethnicities or minorities having like a higher percentage chance to do a thing you don't like be it crime be it a vote or whatever right what you're essentially saying is that before that person does something bad before that person commits a crime you want to preemptively exclude them based on what they think or what their race is or what they're like what they're saying like before they do something bad you want to take preemptive action i think that is that is very vehemently like anti-libertarian and and anti like other things that you've said you stand for so, for example, uh, would you say it's anti-libertarian if I see a fat woman in the bar and as a result of her being fat, I decide not to engage in marriage with her? Well, no, because that's your like personal like autonomy, right? So, ah, so the difference. So now so, I have personal it, autonomy in the domain of sex, but I don't in the domain of politics. Explain well, to me the difference. Not in terms here. of because that's also preemptive action that well, I'm doing well, in the bar when I'm not well, fucking the fat fat woman. 
Well, hey, no, listen. So, so from my personal experience, like fat women are pretty good and bad. Like they work super hard. So I would condemn you on that point entirely. But the difference between what you're explaining and what we're talking about is that we're talking about systemic issues or like systemic decisions to be done about people, not your personal preferences in terms of who you would want to fuck. Well, I have personal preferences about who I want to make societies with. Can I have those? Well, depends on what you mean by can. I guess if you ah. want to, like even in the US right now, you could just move to like a, a rural area and like surround yourself with white people and live with white people till the end of time. I mean, if that's what you want. Uh, that's I mean, what I want. Yeah, sure. And you you can do that, right? But you'd still be a part of like a greater society, a greater world that you're benefiting from just by being a person, citizen of the world, right? You're benefiting from innovation, from science that's done by like all the different countries, like by from China, India, from the Middle East, like inventions, science, innovation, like you're benefiting from people who immigrate to the US and start businesses and do innovation there, right? Just by being alive. So I, I think, I mean, acknowledging that and sort of allowing that to happen and allowing the world to prosper collectively, I, I would think that would be a good thing, like regardless of where you personally live and who you surround yourself with. In terms of the productions that humanity benefit from, they come from everywhere of on planet Earth, but they disproportionately come from a country, America, and to a certain extent, Europe. Uh, they are well, countries that had a homogeneous population that was highly creative, that was favoring liberty enough to create these conditions for creativity to express itself. Yeah, but uh, as like, far as we know, the America in a hundred years that you dream of will not be able to generate the same innovations that it was capable of doing a hundred years ago. Why? But but what you're but what you're saying isn't really borne out in the data, right? Like one in four businesses right now in the U.S. are started by immigrants. Like like more and more like tech companies or like big companies in general are hiring a very diverse cast of people, like to their jobs and prospering because of it. Like we're living in the most prosperous time there's ever been, and the result is people hiring more diverse people because they're recognizing having a diversity of thought and a diversity of opinion is economically beneficial and economists agree, right? I mean, it, it's a very, very much studied subject. Uh, it's a it's a ridiculous subject that is very poorly studied. The, the kind of study what? that you refer to here that associate diversity and productivity, they can't even tell correlation from causation. There is no evidence, there is no causal evidence that diversity in a corporation induces productivity. What's happening is that we live under systems of a uh, compelment of who employs who because of state laws, among other things, that force corporations to hire migrants. So no surprise that you find yourself in downtown and you look at corporation and it's like, oh my God, it's diverse and it's successful. It's not necessarily because it's diverse that it's successful. What's happening is that the successful companies are being forced by the state to hire people they might not have hired other than to respect these 
laws. It is well, compelment wait. that leads to an illusion of causality. I mean, listen, if you disagree with the scientists, the sociologists, and the economists, I mean, sure, I mean, you can have your critiques. I mean, I'll, I'll choose to trust them. Generally, I, I wipe I like... my ass with their studies. Okay. I, I well. print their studies and I wipe my ass with it. That's how well. I, I disagree with them. How do you come to your conclusions? I'm curious. Like, where do you study these things? Ah, Precisely by not listening to others. Precisely okay. by not making appeals to authority. One day you'll become well, an adult, wait. Dario, and you'll realize that the way to reach the truth in life wait, is what's... to acquire facts and make your own judgments based on these facts wait. that you have acquired or observed. Wait. What's what's wrong with appealing to authority, right? You can't be the smartest person on every single topic, right? You have to appeal to authorities on that subject. That isn't necessarily like, fallacious. Like, are you alluding to the fallacy? Yeah, I'm alluding to the fallacy. Wait, do you when know what the fallacy is about? Yeah. What, what's... yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Are you one of these leftists who have convinced themselves that the appeal to authority is not always a fallacy? Wait, wait, if, if you're if you're if you're having like a medical condition and you go to the hospital and your doctor tells you it's cancer, do you just go and then say, ah, but I bet it's not cancer because I have studied medicine and I know best like, no, you, of course, you trust the authorities because you're not an expert on everything, JF. I hope you don't think so. My God, at this point, I'm doing humanitarian work, giving an education to a poor <laughs> Eastern European. My poor man, let me explain to you what where you are fetishist in this example with the doctor. Hey, dude, I'm listen, dude, I'm an immigrant in Denmark. I've started yes. my own business. I'm doing great, dude. Like I'm I'm average. Okay. We're, we're You've building the economy. Your own business and oh, you need yeah. to be educated on basic fallacious structure in philosophy. Uh, I mean, this, this is an example of what I'm talking about. There's a problem here happening. Let's talk about it. When you say, do you, uh, do you say to your doctor, no, that's not cancer because you're a doctor. You're committing the, the, the authority fallacy again. The problem is not whether it's a doctor telling me if I have cancer or not. The question is, is he making his decisions based on an observed fact, which is a scan of my lungs or whatever organ is affected? If it's based on the scan, then it's not an appeal to authority. If you're just going around and saying, I have the cancer because my, my doctor told me so, then yes, you are committing right, the wait. authority fallacy. So, so just, just for the chat and everybody listening in, so the appeal to authority fallacy is when you appeal to an authority that is not an authority on that subject but an authority on something else so that would be like appealing to a medical doctor when citing uh, issues about climate change or whatever something that they're not familiar with that is the appeal to authority fallacy it is not just like saying you trust authorities on a subject that would be preposterous like we would never be able to study anything I pardon my audio folks. I was just saying that pardon my interruption and JF I know has another round in the chamber. I'm sure you do JF, but just because I to kind of circle back to some of these immigration issues in particular before we have to go to the Q&A as people have really been enjoying this and so we want to keep going with those if you guys can bounce it back yeah. to some of those so so there was actually one of the studies that you mentioned jf i'm very familiar with that study the one from the national academic uh, press you said that it's it, that the study says that immigrants have a 
net fiscal impact on society. I've read that study. You're misrepresenting it quite a bit. Like what it says is that first generation uh, natives or like first generation immigrants are more costly than native born fiscally. Yes, a little bit, that is true, but already second generation and like second generation immigrants are among the strongest fiscal economic contributors in the US and that only grows in like the third generation. So, I mean, it, that's just a insane misrepresentation of that study. Uh, and like the other oh, study that you mentioned was from the seventies. Like we've got way what? more recent studies that show that what? generally immigration is like a net wash on fiscal, like wash on fiscal impact and a great economic boom, like from, from like 2015, 2016. Like why would you start a study will, from the seventies? I will hereby list the dates of my study to show how ridiculous this man is. The dates are 2014, 2017, 2015, 2003. There is not a study from the seventies. Oh, sure. Yeah, I might've, I might've misheard. Now, what he's saying sorry. is, oh, maybe three, three generations down the line, you're going to have your effect of net wealth drain diluted to a point where it's relatively small. And then well, no, it was second. And then what second generation, no matter how many generations it takes, you are still undergoing a cost. That cost has not been reimbursed. On top of it, the descendants of these immigrants will still fall into the demographic categories that are more likely to cause crimes. How much money do you put on a young girl being murdered for saying all lives matter in America? How much money is that worth to you? Now, let's come uh, back to something because you mentioned well, that can I we address that specific, wait, can we address that? Yeah, just, just yeah, quickly. go ahead. Yeah, do you believe in the concept? How much is a girl killed worth? Because she uh, the, the said one, all lives matter. The one before that, the one before that, where you, where you talked about uh, this, fiscal. This one you don't want to engage with, right? Oh yeah, I really, I really do. So do you believe in the concept of investment? Right. And generally, because I'm somebody who, who like talks to investors and like works with investment as well, to some extent. Right. So generally, the way that investment works is that you put down some money short term in order to grow that money long term. Like you get a net gain in the wealth that is generated because you were able to take a short term economic loss by building something new, right? That is that is how generally all economic growth works. Like it's very rare to find something where you can literally just pour money in like today and get more money today, right? That's not how it works, right? So that is why second generation is really important. And when we can say that first generation is a fiscal loss, like slightly, like very slightly, but second generation is the strongest fiscal contributor, I'd say that's a pretty good investment. Like, do you have like anything? That, that's literally the study you mentioned. It's not a good investment. It's not a good investment because you have changed the demographics of your country that will be long-term hurtful. Uh, these people will vote left. These people will end up committing more crimes and you have not yet accounted for these crimes. So always be careful when someone sells you an investment and doesn't include all of the cost of it at the end. Sure. So when we talk about crimes and like why people commit crimes, I mean, this is very much studied in criminology, right? And criminology says that generally 
like people, there is like two reasons why people would commit crimes, right? The first is the rational choice theory, which says that people are rational beings. And if crime is perceived to be a better option than non-crime, you will do it, right? You can fix this by creating a better economy, by creating better jobs, by making sure that people have better options than resulting to crime, which is again, achieved by having more immigration because you build society up. The other theory is the culture transmission theory that if you, it, it's kind of similar, but not exactly. It is that concept that if you're not giving the option to succeed in the culture that you're in, you will find other ways to maintain sort of your honor or whatever that means to you, right? I believe you'll be interested in that. And, and the, the way that you can sort of address those things is by making sure that the structural inequalities that exist in whatever society or what is making sure that they cannot succeed regardless of how hard they work, that those are mitigated. And those are generally the reasons why people commit crime. Like people just don't just commit crimes randomly. And there we go. We have gone full circle where we have a libertarian arguing for a communistic redistribution of access to work and opportunity, where not only are we forced to welcome people in our nation, we should also give them jobs so that they don't kill us. We should also give them this and that. Ultimately, what we no, have is a drainage. It's a drainage of wealth. It's a drainage of wealth, a drainage of opportunity, and I oppose to it. That being said, I would feel terrible if we did didn't get a chance to go back to your. Can you define communism for me? Can you def no. just real quick, just for, for my sanity? Can you? Communism is entitlement to other people's work. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. All right. okay. All right. Let's go back to the Wikipedia page of argument from authority. They have actually written a paragraph for people like uh. you. Appeal to false authority. A similar <laughs> fallacy to the appeal to authority is the appeal to false authority. This fallacy is used when a person wait, so uses you agree, a false so wait, authority. So you recognize it isn't the same, right? So you're just you're saying there's a different name because it's not the same as the one that I no, talked No, I'm about. saying that you got the wrong name, that your definition of okay. an appeal to authority is actually an appeal to false sure, authority. Sure. That wait, you so, need some philosophical courses before sure. you go on the internet, say stupid crap. Cool. So, so what I'm generally for is not communism, right? I'm not arguing for communism. I'm literally arguing within a capitalist framework how to produce better outcomes for everybody in society. I'm not talking about giving people jobs and like taking government jobs, just creating useless government jobs and giving them to people. No, that isn't what happens to immigrants. This isn't what happens to immigrants in the United States. What it's happens is that, the no, what is happens is that there is an influx to in labor and that labor builds more demand. And that generally means that native born people either are upgraded in their positions or they have the ability to now start new businesses because there is new demand, new consumers, new workforce that works in society. That is why even though there's a lot of immigration in the US right now, the amount of unemployment keeps falling, JF. Oh yeah, it does. That's not my problem. As you've seen from my six problems, uh, I haven't mentioned the unemployment rate in any of them. Uh, the problem is that you are largely in a fictive economy where fake demand is being created by the actions of the state. 
uh, you have fake demand in the sense that the state hires a lot of people it actually doesn't need. So you also have fake demand in the sense that the state forces corporations to do stuff that they wouldn't do usually, such as preserve a certain racial quotas. Wait, the uh, state the as- state has only like one, like there's only like 1% civilian federal workers, like 1% of the entire workforce. What are you talking about? Like the vast majority of workers in the United States are like just people working in businesses, like private businesses. Like I don't You're understand. You're not a very good listener. You're not a very good listener because I've already answered your question. The state is not only creating fake demand by its own employment. It's creating fake demand by forcing corporations to reach racial and sexual and handicapped-based quotas. It is forcing corporations to diversify its workforce by threat of violence, threat of imprisonment, or threat of fines. So you're not in a natural economy here. You are in an economy where fake demand has been created, a demand for a workforce that may not even be needed. Wait, so, okay, so first off, I don't understand what you mean by needed or not needed. So what, like, and I also don't understand what affirmative action has to do with necessarily with immigration. Like we're talking about immigrants coming into the country and whether or not they're beneficial to the economy. And seems like the vast majority of economists agree that they are, like they are economically beneficial. Now there's some disagreement about the fiscal impact. That is a mixed result, but at the very most, what the fiscal impact impact is, is very short term in the line of what an investment is, right? You're investing in the future of the country. And if the current population of that country isn't making more babies, right? It, it isn't like going fucking ching fucking, uh, like down the, down the fucking Southeast or whatever, and like creating a bunch of babies. What is needed is immigrants to fill those slots. You, uh, uh, there are so many ways in which you're wrong here. Uh, in terms of your hate Name of them. baby making, uh, baby making is an important thing, uh, especially for preserving the demographics of a nation, but also preserving your own gene representations in the uh, natural ecosystems that humanity is. Uh, that being said, before the baby making stuff, you were saying stuff, and I, I would say I think there are more people intelligent in the regular chat right now than you, because in a discussion I would where hope I've so. I'm given not that you intelligent. a in a discussion where I've given you the definition of an appeal authority, uh, to authority, where you seem to misunderstanding at first, you're, you did it again you still appeal to authority. In this debate, I've been listing the facts on which I base my view. Has Dario listed his facts? No. Yeah. He's Wait. saying the economists think this. I don't Wait. give a shit I'm, what I'm the literally citing think. you studies. I'm literally citing you studies as You're we speak. You're citing conclusions, not facts. No. And that I'm makes s- you... Wait, so when I, an argument from authority. Wait, wait, so when I say that immigration is an economic benefit, like you can measure the amount of dollars created, like that it is an economic benefit, but sometimes it can be a fiscal loss short term, which then grows to be a fiscal boon on second generation, just like an investment. Or when I speak about who gains from wages, right? When I say that 2% of, uh, of, uh, of wages are 
are decreased for high school dropouts. Is that me just stating conclusions or is that me giving you the facts and data that is shared by economists all around the globe, JF, appealing to the authority of people who have PhDs in this topic that we're talking about? I would say that is more than fair. You just did it again. Uh, That being said, now you're beginning to touch some facts so we can talk about them. Let's compare my facts to yours. My facts were always in reference to how people in the end were hurt. They were hurt either because their capacity to negotiate better salaries were hurt. They were hurt by criminality. They were hurt by leftism. Now you're saying the coming of immigrants is beneficial to the economy that they are what, creating wait, dollars. What wait, does wait. that mean to me? Sure. Wait, what wait, does wait. the creation of dollar mean? If the Fed is printing a billion dollar next morning, no, is yeah. it the creation of the dollar same. too? Am I benefiting yeah, that's, from that's it? Not this, that's, well, it's you could the be. same. It's an well, inflation of a system from well, which no. I benefit nothing. Sure, sure. So, so <laughs> there was a lot of points there. Let's address them one at a time, okay? So the first one, talking about uh, the ability to like negotiate wages or whatever is is hurt by immigrants. I mean, sure, that's like a uh, like you can make that like a, a truism or like a like a uh, I guess uh, an argument from from not understanding the literature. I guess, but if, but if the literature says that the wages, the average American wages, are rising. Yes, from those people that have like they're like immigrants going in and and like doing similar jobs, even those people get a rise in their wages, then how are they being hurt by this? I don't understand. And then when we're talking specifically about how you feel your society growing economically, you feel it in a number of ways. You feel it in the technology that you consume, you feel it in the prices of things in the society, the prices of food, the, the like all of these beautiful things that come out of human competition, of human innovation. And those innovation and competition on all of these things are driven by people. The more people, the more innovation, the more competition, the better society. That is what economicists unilaterally that is your, mean. That is your fallacy. Uh, there was a people that was creating great stuff. And in fact, it created such a wave of increases of productivity and technology that we still today benefit from the creations of white Europeans from the 60s, from the 40s, from the 20s. They really did it well. It's not sure, because and when- you add more people in the mix that you increase productivity. It depends on the people you add. And as we've seen from the numbers, it doesn't look like I'm benefiting from much inventions and much greatness produced by the migrants. You're assuming that the presence of these migrants in current economy ultimately makes them the cause of the successes of our economy. Let me correct that. The successes of our economy are caused by things that were created uh, before I was even alive. We wouldn't be on the path that we are on right here if it wasn't of the people that created these things in the 80s, 60s, and 40s. Listen, We're listen, still on Jeff, that side, and it's wait, ending. Jeff, Jeff, will sec, you, are you seriously? We'll one sec, I, pardon my interruption. I promise I'll kick it right back to you, Dario, because I, I know that you were about to respond there. Just want to let you guys know that maybe a couple more back and forth, and we'll probably go into Q&A. So at some point, whenever one or either of you 
is up to defer to the other, giving them the last word. Awesome. Otherwise, in about five minutes, I'll bring us into the Q&A. Go ahead, Sure, Darnell. sure. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I guess this is like a nonsensical point, right? This is, this is saying that you are arbitrarily choosing, like in your, you didn't even mention them. You were just alluding that there are some inventions that you value and that every like piece of human prosperity is built off of. That's preposterous, right? Like the reason why we live in such, such unprecedented, like, uh, times of uh, of just consumption and wealth and and enjoyment in 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 most places of the world is because of the immense globalization that has happened right it is it is because you're able to let people produce the things that they are best at. It is because you're able to out-delegate labor to those people who think they can do it better than others, right? And oftentimes, those people exist outside of your country, right? Just because you have a economy within the country, you very much have a globalized economy of people purchasing your products all around the globe you have people producing your products all around the world and the reason why these products are so easily and uh, and and accessible in such great uh, quantities is because of this it is because of the immense amount of human labor that goes into producing the life that you have right now jf what a beautiful way to end on a concession and an agreement. Uh, it is wonderful what Dario is just talking about here. The possibility of letting the Asian people live in Asia and engage in trade with us. If they are so good at producing stuff, let us buy their stuff that they produce from Asia and bring it here. We don't need yeah. to bring them on the territory. It is absolutely fine to have nations that do trade. I'm, I'm not against trade, by the way. I'm against the free flow of people in ways that are hurtful to local communities and the demographic constitution yeah. of nations. So hey, let us engage well, in more global I, trade. I agree. Well, no, hey, actually, we might actually agree on this, right? I am also against uh, people coming in and lowering the life of everybody in that interaction, right? It just so happens that this isn't happening, right? It, it just so happens that this is not substantiated any literature, economic or otherwise, right? It is a net gain for society. They're not criminals. They're, they're not like ruining society. They're just coming in, doing trading, living, and that is what makes America so great. That is why a lot of countries should aspire to be like America or what I would say the best America that it can be. We might, this might be a good transition. Given that we, uh, we had JF start, we will give the last word there to Dario. And I want to say thanks for your questions, folks. As mentioned, folks, if you weren't here at the start, I had mentioned that both of the speakers, I put their links in the description for you folks if you want to hear more, including I have updated it. I've got your book, the, if I remember right, The Revolutionary Phenotype, JF. That Absolutely. Is in the description as well, folks, and we'll jump into these questions. So thanks so much for our first question from Brakir said, Papa JF, when is the moral signal coming out? Is that an up and coming book? 
Oh yeah, it's an up and coming book. Uh, I'm working hard, but uh, I mean, I, I think that the the next time I may hope to release it maybe for the Christmas season of this December. But I have to I have to give myself a dedication to it. I might be able to do it. Excellent. And Joshua Larson, thanks for your question, said or comment. They said the side view thumbnail definitely makes. Papier JF look good. <laughs> a lot of fans here. Religion is BS. Thanks for your question. Said, from what I've seen, the majority of conservatives are for immigration from places like Sweden, etc., yet against immigration from places such as Yemen. And they said, this seems to be, seems to me they want white people only, or am I wrong? I don't know if you'd consider uh, yourself a conservative. Myself? Oh, uh, well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a libertarian. Conservatives, they have taken a route that I don't like, which is negotiate with the left and concede to the left. So I don't like this that much. As far as wanting whites, uh, I, I'm actually against even white immigration. For other reasons, I do believe that maintaining the state of heterogeneity in the diversity of the European peoples is a good thing. I'm proud of being a Quebecois, being part of a small white population in North America that doesn't speak English as its first language. I think we should maintain that type of things. Now, of course, white immigration is much less hurtful than other forms of immigration, but I think that for preserving this state of heterogeneity, it's still desirable to combat uh, this type of immigration. Would you would you support my immigration into the U.S., Jeff? No, not after tonight. Ah, uh, <laughs> gotcha. Nice. Now I'm not in the U.S., so you don't can have I get, to be worried. Can I get some pepper hands in chat? Next up, we have a question from the optimistic pessimist. Thanks for your question. Said the crime point from Dario doesn't hold up if you control for the native population correctly. You have no control for race within the native population. Well, yeah, that is why because I said native population, right? Like the the races that are native are in the native population, right? And it does still hold up, right? The uh, and and what happens with immigrants over time is that they assimilate into numbers that are on average the same as the native population, right? And if you just and even even I'll even give you this, right? If you look at each group of immigrants and break them down by race so like having like hispanic immigrants or asian immigrants and whatever like each immigrant like compared to the racial equivalent of the person living in the u.s they still commit less crime right so so like asian immigrants commit less crime than native asians like hispanic immigrants commit less crime than hispanic and so on right so i mean yeah it's unbelievable, the cognitive twist. Of course, when you compare an immigrant of a certain race to the same race in the US, what you don't reveal by this is that immigration systematically changes the demographics of a country of the US so that there are more Hispanic people or that there are more Asians. And so if this We're race- We're talking percentages. Itself, 
We're well, talking per capita, yeah, the, like percent. We are increasing the number of Hispanics, percentage of Hispanic in the U.S. with immigration. And so you have to take that into account and you, you'll well, end up calculating that, yes, you are increasing the crime because you are increasing the representation of demographics no, no. that commit crimes. Wait, wait, oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Maybe there was a misunderstanding, right? So I'm talking about the percentage of that race or whatever you want to call it, ethnicity or whatever, that commits crime. So it is that only that ethnicity compared to itself. And when you do that, the people who are immigrants commit still commit less than the and sometimes in insane numbers, right? So so I, I believe it was Hispanics who like who committed seven Hispanic immigrants committed seven times less crime than native-born Hispanic people compared to themselves. Thanks for taking us through your ridiculous cognitive hoop, which allows you to ignore the fact that these Hispanic immigrants will have Hispanic babies in the U.S. that you will label as native that will end up committing crimes. Uh, everyone on the regular chat is seeing through that bullshit, well, so you can formulate it in a hundred ways, it's still crap. What again? Well, just, well, because the, just because the challenge was originally for Dario, I'll give Dario the last word, and then we've got to move on to the next one. So, Dario, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you have a short and pithy yeah. response. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously. I mean, after after a lot of generations, yeah, sure, they assimilate into, like, native, like, crime levels. But, I mean, at what point did, do they become a native, right? If it's, like, third or fourth, or even fifth gen, like, holy fuck, like, they've been in the U.S. for so many years. Yeah, of course, they're natives, yeah. Got a next question from ZimX02. Thanks for your question. Said, spending one penny collectively to afford free energy yields more economic freedom than keeping that penny. Libertarianism is left-wing. You poser. <laughs> uh, let's see. True. So, uh, JF, you've got a critic out there. Uh, no, I think it was a critic to Dario. Uh I think that he is accusing Dario of being a fake libertarian. Uh, that being said, yes, libertarianism is incompatible with leftism because under libertarianism, you can't force people to pay tax and therefore you can't, you can't uh, adjust the outcomes and fix the inequalities of society by stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Simple as that. We'll jump to the... Yeah. Okay, ahead, can Dario, I can right? I answer that? I guess sure. I guess GF alluded that it was uh, for me or whatever. Sure. Um, so so I, I I maybe you're just not informed or whatever, but like literally, if you just look up like even like Wikipedia, like literally says like if you look up libertarianism on Wikipedia in the very first like in the second paragraph, to be fair, it says libertarianism originated as a form of left wing politics such as anti authoritarianism or anti state socialist like anarchist, especially social anarchist, but more generally libertarian, communist, Marxist, and libertarian socialist. That is the origination of libertarianism as a concept. So I don't know where you're getting this from but i mean sure i mean you can just go and read oh, about yeah, it that, that's because the original marxists deceived themselves into thinking that they were pursuing liberty but they were not of course they were pursuing the forced taking of property from the rich so it was ridiculous but yeah they, they thought they were libertarian yes I guess next. they didn't have voluntary taxes. We'll jump into the next one which is from religion is bs this one is for you dario they say where do you stand politically, left, right, or centrist? I'd be interested in having a conversation depending on your response. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very firmly on the left. 
uh, and when I say on the left, I, I mean like uh, very much like socially and like sort of, um, I, I mean, I generally agree with like leftist type arguments, but I've definitely had a lot of agreement with like even libertarians on the right. Like I have a lot of them in my chat and we talk about things and we agree on the vast majority of things and sort of the way that we can structure society. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I say I'm a libertarian, like libertarian socialist, libertarian leftist. Um, some even call me an anarchist. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of those are synonymous in many ways. So, yeah. Gotcha. And next we have a question from Zimex02 again. It says, JF doesn't understand that libertarianism is a socialist, uh, is socialist. And he's talking about, quote, lack of understanding. And then they say, Terminal Dunning Kruger. So you've it's that same critic, but go ahead, JF. Uh, if you I mean, I'm faced with. I didn't know you guys existed. You guys lack culture. I mean, go go to the political compass. You will see that libertarianism is ah, very yes. well on the right. So I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Go Wait. educate yourselves. Wait, literally. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Okay, first off, the political compass is a hilarious way to like represent politics. Second off, libertarianism is like the, the top-down axis, right? Yes. Like you can yes. have like you can have like down and then left and down oh, and then yeah, right. You are right. There are libertarian leftists. They they self-identify as such. What they really are is that they are not libertarian on the economic axis. But you can see if you travel through the, the economic axis from left to right, what you will see on the left are authoritarian people wanting to steal people's money. On the right, you'll see libertarian people wanting to let the free market operate so i, wait, I don't know what so, you guys wait, are so, talking so about. you're so you're not talking about the political compass right because the political compass has like libertarianism as like one axis which is like the bottom and then you can have left or right like that's the political compass right I, I am talking about certain illustrations of these where you will see figures you will see figures okay. that are right wing and you will see that these right wing figures are for liberty when they are on the right economically and they are for possession of wealth when they are on the left that's it do you consider anarchists like right wing or uh, anarchist, uh, the problem with the term is that is it is being used for Antifa type anarcho-communist and it well, is being used also I'm for I'm talking about the ideology. Yeah. So like anarchist, like the ideology of anarchism, like th that's uh, seems like a very like distinctly like left-wing ideology, right? I mean, that is for the abolition of state and like pretty much all hierarchies in society, right? So you can't say that that's like a, like a redistributionist, like, I mean, maybe esoterically so, but it's like, I mean, I, I don't know how you would square that with your point of view. Well, uh, the thing is, anarchism is not an ideology. There are people who are libertarian, right? And they self-define as anarchists, like Stefan Molineux, for example. So, I mean, my, my, I don't know what you're asking me for. Le anarchism is not a philosophy. It's a word that is used by people sometimes that are communist and sometimes that are libertarian. Okay. Next, we'll jump into the next question, which comes in from, let's see. This one's for you, Dario. They said, this is Spart344. Thanks oh, for yeah. your question. says, no one is talking about being able to abuse foreigners within your border. The issue is how much influence they should have in your country, such as voting or work. 
Um, I mean, sure. I mean, if, if you're worried about that, I mean, you can just skew it however much you like. That doesn't really change the answer of like, should you have more immigration, right? So even like even and, and I'm not by any means advocating for this, right? But even like if you really don't think they should have any rights or they, they shouldn't participate in society necessarily on the same level as like native borns, it is still better for everyone to get them into your country, to work in your country, to be as productive as they can, even if they aren't real citizens, even if you don't provide them the same rights. Like if they're willing to come to work in your country under those conditions, that means that the place that they're leaving is worse for them, right? So they are improving their lives, even if their lives are shitty, they're improving their lives and you're improving your society, right? So you can just, you can slide that however much you want, it's still gonna be beneficial to have immigrants working in your country gotcha and zimx02 again for ujf they've got your number they say this reprobate jf doesn't even know what quote fallacy means not all valuable inferences are deductive and they say philosophers defer to epistemic gurus yeah, I don't give a shit about this argument. You're confused. Go read. Uh, I, I don't care. You you are saying deductive when this has nothing to do with what I've said. The appeal to authority fallacy has been committed on this show. Everyone can see it. Everyone was laughing at it. And I'll keep laughing at it for the rest of my life. Be, because my God, was it hilarious to see Dario not understand what the appeal to authority means. Gotcha. <laughs> Next, this one is for Dario from James W. Thanks for your question. Said so. Hell yeah. Said so. People in other nations enacted leftist policies that didn't work. They didn't make them happy. Now they want to move to a country like America and implement the same policy. Um, I guess I I'm not sure what you mean by like leftist policies that didn't work i mean if you look at like some of the most like i guess left-leaning countries i mean you can look at the scandinavian countries you can i guess you can look at denmark right the country that i'm currently in like denmark is often cited as the happiest country in the world like it is a, a country that has uh the uh lowest like income inequality uh of, of pretty much any country i think if you look at like the Gini index you can look at like how it correlates with crime like all of these things like there is not a lot of crime there's a lot of equality and if you if you look at i believe it's norway like norway has more like billionaires or is it millionaires per capita than the us has right so like all of these countries that have very quote-unquote left-wing, I guess, policies are generally doing way better, like, based on their size and their population than the U.S. is, right? I mean, yeah. Gotcha. And religion is BS. Thanks for your question. Said, James, I shot you an email about debating JF on politics more generally. They're calling you out, JF. We can't help oh, but love a politics. call-out. <laughs> they said, Damn. hope we can set it up. I know you're busy. Uh, JF's busy, I'm sure, too. We'll, we'll see. We can play that one by ear. We'll see what topics might work. Let me just double check in case I missed any questions. So thanks so much for your questions, folks. Both of our guests are linked in the description. Description. We are trying to reform, as last week, I think some of you, you were here, one or two of our debates were pretty, they went off the rails. 
I was gone. Converse was here. But anyway, <laughs> just the point is, we do encourage you in the comments. We're trying to cultivate a culture. We'll give them a little crap. I mean, these guys have got they've got thick skin. They've been on the internet for a while, so they're they're tough. They're they're going to be fine. But at the same time, we do want to encourage you to direct your arguments, or I should say, criticisms at the arguments and ideas rather than the people. So. We do want to say one last thanks. I think that was it for our question. So thank you, JF, and thank you very much, Dario. It's been a pleasure to have you guys. Thank, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Amazing. So what we'll do is say goodbye to you all. We will hopefully see you all tomorrow, as that should be a good one on Is Islam True? Armin, the CEO of Atheist Republic, will be here, and he'll be debating first-timer Kyle. And then, let's see, Friday is Trump or Biden, so that should be a fun one as well. And we hope you keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. Take care, everybody.
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.